0: industry podcast and i'm david andrew let's dig in today i'm chatting with music model jason davis how are you today jason
1: i am well thanks for having me on
0: yeah thanks so much for coming on the show so i'm struck by how our stories have certain parallels to them i've either been in the christian community or orbiting it my whole life i struggled with self-confidence as a youth I realized that music was what I wanted to do when I was 15 because it brought the attention I desperately wanted. I wrote songs and played in bands. I didn't go on to sell a lot of albums or write hit song like you did, but gradually I have been finding my path in the music business. So talk about your early years. What was that like?
1: Growing up, it's just always music for me. Um, From the moment I could walk and the moment I could talk, I I was... You know, begging my parents for a plastic drum set as a kid and yeah. used to carry around a little plastic Mickey Mouse guitar, um, you know, with nylon strings on it from Disney World and would sit with the little plastic guitar at the kitchen table when we did dinner as a little boy. And so I probably wrote my first song with a, an old friend that lived across the street from me when I was, I'm thinking, maybe six years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And we even tried to form a band when we were I think 8 or 9 and so it was just always there and uh, 13 it started becoming a little more serious Um, started writing songs uh, a lot uh, for my first band at 13 and then at 16 I started writing songs totally on my own just with an acoustic guitar and really just fell head over heels for songwriting mm-hmm. and never never thought that this is what i would do for a living or a career but i couldn't stop doing it so it was always something i did from the moment i was you know you know 13 but really 16 seriously until um, I landed my first song on a record when I was 23 and I'd probably write for those eight years. I probably wrote maybe 30 to 40 songs a year and would record, you know, my favorite three, one, one to four songs, I would say a year. And, um, yeah, it was just the, this intense passion for songwriting and what it did for me, how it, 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 It relieved stress for me. It was a way for me to get out my feelings. I I found it helpful uh, to communicate to others. And um, it was really a very therapeutic thing. And um, I just couldn't stop doing it. And that's what really that passion and not being able to stop is what led me, you know, for the doors to open to the music industry eventually.
0: I think that's almost like a commonality among the people that have found a degree of success in the music industry. I think I've heard Josh Ramsey from Marianas Trench say the same thing. He couldn't imagine mm-hmm. doing anything else. And if you want to make it in the music industry, that's how you should approach it. If you can't imagine doing something else, then maybe your strengths lie elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really it was really interesting. Um, I love giving people guidance, advice. I love giving back. Um, mm-hmm. But I was watching two different interviews from artists that I grew up with as a kid, and both of these interviews with both of these artists said – they said the same exact thing to a question, and it really struck me. And I saw these interviews probably a month apart from each other. And one of the interviews was with – and they were current interviews uh, probably. This was a few years ago. And one of the interviews was with um, the lead singer Paul Stanley of the mm-hmm. band Kiss, mm-hmm. and that that was actually the very first group I ever saw in my life. I, I remember being a very little boy watching TV and just seeing like Kiss on television, like blowing fire out of their mouths, and I was like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> and um, so um, I was listening to this interview and and. Um, uh, Gene Simmons is asked, you know, what advice would you give to an aspiring artist or an artist that's coming up in the music industry? And, he, and his response was, I don't give people advice. He said, because if you um, can't stop doing it, then you'll eventually be in the music industry. And if you can stop doing it, you should go get another job. And, and then I was watching about a month later an interview with. Um, probably my favorite, um, or I'd say one of my top favorite childhood bands, uh, Def Leppard wow. and the lead singer, jo- the lead singer, Joe Elliott gave the exact same response to that question in, in a separate interview and just said, you know, my advice is if you can, if you can't, if you can't imagine yourself doing anything else in the world, then you'll succeed. And, um, and that's been my, my case as well. I'm, I tried to do this it's kind of interesting. I, was in a dysfunctional home growing up, and my parents got divorced, and my parents were awesome. They did the best they could, um, and they did a good job, but they ended up getting divorced, and I ended up moving out on my own at 18 years old, and I spent, uh, I would say, five years. I was still writing songs during this period, um, but I spent f- five years trying to become my dad um, or, or trying to fuck. Uh, follow his path. And so I got jobs and I tried to like climb the ladder in these jobs and, and, uh, had a couple different jobs over those five years. And I would just, after two and a half to three years, I would just find myself totally burnt out and not really able to give my heart to the job anymore. And at 23, it was when I realized that like, I actually, I was born to do this. This is part of God's plan for me and and I cannot do anything but
0: this and so I do relate to that and on a slightly different level because my dad passed away when I was 14 so in 13 actually so in the ensuing years I found myself kind of do picking up a lot of things that I think he would have liked me to pick up such Mm -hmm. as playing an instrument or learning how to use a computer and do emails and create websites Mm. and things like that and that's kind of the some of the things he was doing in his spare time not even necessarily as a profession and yeah i think Mm. it's interesting right it's almost ingrained in us to to want to please others yeah yeah
1: especially when it's our dad
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's huge everybody wants their parents to be proud for sure yes for sure so Getting back to your story, like how did things progress from there? You wrote a hit song. You ended up working with a lot of amazing artists. What happened?
1: You know, when when I landed that first song on a record, I just saw that the door had cracked open mm-hmm. to a dream. It, it was to a dream that I didn't even know I could dream, and it was so mind blowing to me. And I was so, I was. So I realized that I tried to do these other jobs. I got burnt out like that doesn't work. And this door just cracked open and I have the world basically telling me that I wrote a hit song in my, my bedroom and this is all I've ever been passionate about. And I was like, man, I have to attack this. Like, like, I don't know how long the door stays open for and I never want to go backwards. So I I approached the music industry with a very, very, very intense and a lot of intensity. And I started working, you know, I would I I went to my parents twenty one years ago, a little over twenty one years ago, and asked them if I could quit my job. And move back in with my dad, and and um, he extremely reluctantly, which I understand, um, let me do that. And um, and I just, I'd wake up every day at five thirty or six in the morning and work until midnight. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I did that literally probably six, seven days a week, for years and years and years and years. And just every day, it was like, okay, what can I accomplish today? And um, I'd spent a lot of time deep in thought. I'd spent a lot of time strategizing, um, a lot of time just thinking deeply upon questions like, how, how do you grow? How do you succeed? You know, I've been willing to move for this. You know, I spent my first five years in New York City. And then, you know, I started started realizing that I had a lot of relationships in New York City. And I would hear about all these people that work for record labels in Los Angeles. And I knew all the people that worked for record labels in new york city but i didn't know anyone that worked in los angeles and i thought to myself you know if i'm really going to be good at what i do and there's a whole community that i don't even know and 50 percent of the business or 33 percent of the business because in Nashville, 33 percent of the business is 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 in los angeles i i need i need to be there and so i made a decision to moved across the country um and it was a very very easy to get inroads in los angeles because i used all my relationships that i had in new york to introduce me to people at labels in los angeles so i mean instantly i had immediate friends at record labels in los angeles when i moved there but you know and now i live in nashville and i've been coming to nashville on and off for uh 19 years um so I've I've been willing to move. I've been willing to, I've been willing to spend my own money. I mean, I don't know how much money I've spent, pers- you know, gr- pursuing and growing this, you know, my career or my relationships. But it's been, if I added it all up, it would probably be a very shocking number, um, how large it would be. And um, I've just always been willing to do anything to grow, to learn, to to, uh, network, to get to a new relationship, to honor the relationships I have. Um, I've always done everything I can to keep my word. Um, you know, if, if, if I owe somebody a dollar, they don't have to ask me for it. Um, they don't have to chase me for it. Um, I, I just always try to do whatever I say I'm going to do. And, um, that's just led me to have a lot of relationships over the years and, and um, I know it's a very broad answer, um, yeah. but the, 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 those are kind of the, the basics
0: of how how it grew. I mean, with that type of work ethic, it's really no mystery why you're successful. But I think that's an amazing mindset and something my audience will love to hear as well. I, I mean, I guess yeah, if I had and, one... And, one con- and,
1: Go ahead. and uh, I'm sorry, and just, just one thing to add, to that just popped in my head. You know, I've been doing this for 21 years mm-hmm. and, you know, I've had, I've had my, my large share of failure and, and, I don't think anyone in life has done something for 21 years that hasn't made mistakes or yeah. hasn't had some things that they wish they could get back or, um, or, or get some do overs. But I have had a lot of success and t- 21 years in, you know, th- this week, you know, just looking at the last couple of days of my week, Monday, I worked seventeen hours straight, mm. um, n- no break, um, not even a food break. <laughs> I mean, no break at all, seventeen hours straight. Yesterday, I worked eleven hours, and you know, was was at it. You know, this morning, and and will be at it probably until this evening, and 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 I, and I still have the energy for it, and I still and I still feel just as passionate about what I'm doing um and just as excited about what I'm doing as the first day the door cracked open to me in the music industry, and that was twenty one years ago. So you know it it for me, it, I, I don't see how anyone could do this if it's not if the fuel source is not passion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, yeah,
0: so. Right. I think if I had one question is just how do you do that without burning out? Is it really just pursuing something you love that much?
1: What I usually do and I try to do is I usually work very hard for six months straight Mm -hmm. and I work pretty intensely for six months straight. Um, I do at this point, I I do my best to try to, you know, take weekends off or, or not work a lot on the weekends. So usually what I do is I do Monday through Friday, like crazy schedule nonstop, um, and try to rest up, you know, and relax and spend time with my wife, you know, on weekends. And then usually every six to six to eight months or six to nine months, like, we'll kind of go on a trip somewhere just to, you know, recalibrate, get out of the area. Um, And, um, and that, and that, that generally refreshes me. And um, so that's how I've done
0: it. Got it. That makes sense. And getting back once more to your story, and this is what I've been driving for, uh, because I don't leave, uh, you know, open ends like this alone. So you had it all. You were working with well-known artists, had all the money you ever wanted, accomplished more than you thought possible, but you were planning to end your life. Why?
1: Yeah. So I I was living, this is um, probably a little over 11 years ago. I was living in Los Angeles. Um, I would always think about, you know, dream about kind of hitting it bigger, you know, or making a lot of money or... And, um, and, and I, it's not even like I had this great plan or anything. I just, I moved to Los Angeles and just kind of things started falling into place. And it was just all of a sudden there was, uh, like this explosion of success and money and, you know, I wasn't gra- grounded spiritually, um, wasn't grounded as a person, And, um, all that money that I was making back then was not good for me because I was not grounded. And I had just, I grew up, I didn't know God at that point in my life. Um, I, I found God about 11 years ago, Hmm. but, um, I was living in Los Angeles and, and I had grown up, not really fully aware, but deep down inside, I had this belief that the only way I could get love, the only way that anybody would ever love me or accept me um, or want me for real in their life, would be if I had success. And you know, you could tell somebody that you're successful, but how do they know? Maybe they don't believe you. So <laughs> mater- ma- like material objects became a way, For me, I felt unbelievably drawn when I lived in Los Angeles to materialism. And and, um, I wanted the nicest possible car that you could buy. I wanted the nicest house you could have. I wanted life to be as big and grand looking. I wanted to have the most expensive watch you could put on your wrist. And God was so mind-blowing because when I didn't even know him, He allowed me to have all those things so that I would eventually get to the end of of all that and realize that it did not – like my watch did not actually love me. Mm. And nobody that saw my watch that was attracted to my watch, those people were also searching for the wrong things in life and weren't, weren't capable of loving me and I wasn't capable of loving anyone. And so I got to a point living in Los Angeles where I had all this, you know, tons and tons of material possessions. And when you build a life like that for yourself, you have to be able to maintain it. And maintaining it is extremely stressful. And I was also, because I was so empty inside and searching for love, I just was, um, you know, I was just not looking back I, from a character perspective. I always came off nice to people, but deep down inside, in my thoughts and heart, from a character perspective, um, I had a lot of character issues. I was very self-centered. Um, I wasn't always, you know, honest or straightforward with people in business, and um, you know, sadly, and uh, I got to a point where you know I realized like I don't like who I am. Hmm. And, uh, there was a few things about myself that I was kind of almost like disgusted over. And it's like, how did I get here? I'm pretty gross. I'm so self-centered and I'm under this unbelievable financial pressure. And I've worked for so many years and killed myself to get to this position. And now that I finally have it all, I feel like I actually have nothing. I mean, I I feel like I literally am, and I have zero in in my whole life. Like nothing I have means anything, but now I'm in a position where I have to maintain it. And if I don't maintain it, my, my life will be ruined. And so I just got to a point where I felt cornered. I felt very empty. I felt very depressed and alone. And I felt like I didn't really have anybody in my life that cared or loved me. And uh, everybody that was around me was kind of around me because, you know, you got free dinners and I was kind of exciting to be around because we'd get in a really nice car (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, or or like what they could get from me in business or, you know, because maybe they could get a job from me or, you know, and so uh, I checked myself into a hotel room in Los Angeles. I didn't tell anybody where I was and I was 100 percent committed to killing myself, And through a series of events, which started in that hotel room, I found Jesus and actually had a vision of Jesus. And it was crazy because I was born and raised Jewish. Um, mom and dad are Jewish. And I didn't really believe in Jesus. I didn't, I didn't really know about Jesus. And I never read the Bible in my life. I'd never really been to church. But here I was having this vision as clear as me talking to you right now on the phone. Hmm. And, uh, uh, I instantly had this vision and I instantly knew it was Jesus. And, and I got radically, radically saved in that moment. And I went out and I started, I bought a Bible for the first time in my life and I started reading it every night. And I would find myself some nights literally crying my eyes out for 30 minutes just re- reading the scriptures and reading what it was saying and how impactful it was and just out loud for the first time in my life in my bedroom alone just at nighttime you know with candle lit reading the Bible just apologizing to God for so many things I had done wrong since my childhood and you know people that I hurt you know that I I really didn't mean to but I was so dysfunctional and such a, such a wreck as a person. Like I just didn't even know what I was doing half the time and hurting people. Hmm. And I really felt that God was f- forgiving me and like saying, you know, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to give you a clean slate. And, um, that was so overwhelming to me and, uh, I can't really say that anybody up at the, up to that point in my life had given me much of a second chance, but here God was. And, um, I started learning, you know, what God said versus what all my friends or family growing up said. And what God said in the Bible seemed to be pretty different from what I learned from my friends and family. And a lot of the things that I had followed were the things that got me into trouble and caused me to make poor choices. And so I started following what God said in the Bible. And all of a sudden, my life started turning around. And all of a sudden, the same type of person that might not have liked me in the past, all of a sudden, would write me letters of appreciation. Or send me a card saying that I changed their life. And hmm. and I was like, I'm, I'm the same guy. <laughs> it's just, the only thing that happened was I started reading the Bible and applying it. And my heart started changing where I wanted to, like, really love people and serve people and care about people and fight for people, you know, and, and just be a blessing to people's lives, you know, and and I had and, you know, I got saved when I was 33 years old. So I had had 33 years of mistakes and and, you know, did some good things along the way, but mistakes and things that I wish I, I could do over and. I felt like man I don't have like potentially half my life is over and and I want I want the next half of my life to be about just radically trying to love people and serve people and care about them and obviously I don't do it perfect every day um but that's the desire of my heart you know and and w- where did that desire come from it's just come from no, you know, knowing God,
0: and so. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Sure. And this yeah. isn't to dilute what you've said at all, um, but sometimes I share with people: if you want to know who your true friends are, start a business because the people who oh, said people who man. said right, the people who said oh. who would buy they don't buy, people who said who support don't support, and then when you have suddenly have all this money and all this stuff coming in, suddenly they want to be your friend.
1: And, and you realize, you know, who your friends are when you're, you know, 21 years in business, I've seen a lot. And there's been quite a few people that I thought were really dear friends of mine that stole a lot from me mm. and, uh, were, wow. were very deceptive to me. And, uh, people that I care deeply about. And, um, yeah, I mean it's amazing when you look at the world. I mean, p- people like families literally over inheritance money will never talk to each other again. Like brothers and sisters will never talk to each other again. Yeah. Um people will kill people literally will kill people over money. You know, half the time and I don't watch a lot of TV at all. Um but half the time you turn on TV and you see these crime crime mysteries on TV. It's like you know, somebody A husband kills a wife for the insurance policy. I mean, it's it's insane.
0: Yeah.
1: And and the depths of the depths of where evil can go is crazy. But it is amazing in business how you just see so many people when it comes to a scale, and you've got a person on the left scale and and a dot and money on the right scale. I mean, most people on this earth, thank God, not all, but most people at the end of the day are going to take the money off the scale and throw the person under the bus if push comes to shove. And um, it's been a real learning experience in, in these uh, years in business. But, you know, I also think you get to a point where you've been through a another- of that in business that you get to the point where you start living your life a little bit more open-handed because you know if you've been stolen from in the past or taking advantage of the past you have two choices to become either less trusting of people or just more open with people and be like hey if they're gonna steal something from me like god will work that out with them and maybe they needed it more than i did Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so I'm, I'm actually very thankful for any experience I've had in the past that was heartbreaking or, you know, where people deceive me or hurt me because it's, I, I've learned from it. And miraculously, it's caused me to love people even more. And,
0: uh, so, yeah. And to your point about like the media and the crazy things that happened there, there's that famous quote, life imitates art far more than art imitates life. I feel like that's never been more true. Life definitely imitates art and we we are far more suggestible <laughs> as human beings than I think a lot of people realize. We tend to act out the things we see.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I also think, you know, it's very easy for us as people to justify wrong behavior. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I've met people in business that are, are like, you know what, I don't like this person or I don't like my boss or I'm angry with this person. And half the time, the other person doesn't even know. And they'll justify like stealing something from them or lying to them or deceiving them. And half the time, the person is upset over something or angry or over something, that's a theory that they created, you know, that was created in their own head. And sometimes the stuff that they're upset about or angry about isn't even like real. Okay. And, and it's all created to justify, you know, an action that they're going to take against the person. And so, um, uh, that, th- that's something I've seen quite a bit throughout my years in business. And, um, it's definitely, uh, business as, as you know is extremely rewarding and um but uh that's definitely one of the the uh, disadvantages so
0: that's a very good thing to be aware of and Mm -hmm. your story highlights the notion that a successful career doesn't necessarily make you feel fulfilled or happy so for those looking to achieve big things in their music career or business what advice do you have
1: (laughs) that is such a great question Mm -hmm. phenomenal question to me the success or the journey is obviously exciting it's obviously fun but it's 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 short-lived i mean you know you win an award for something and you know three years later it's a piece of plastic collecting dust on your mantle you know and it doesn't really mean anything to you other than oh you know it's good that i won that back then and you know Nobody could ever take that away from me, kind of thing. But the tears in your eyes that you had when you won it, you don't feel that when you look at the piece of plastic or the or the you know the the, the metal award, you know, years later. Um, so for me, what I've learned, and I think this is so important, and this has been massive for me, and I do feel like God showed this to me. But everything is about being. Understanding what is your purpose, like what is your mission, and reminding, be, being reminded, and surrounding yourself with people that remind you of that mission or that purpose or that vision that you have um, regularly, and always going back to why, why am I doing this. Mm. And if it's and, and and I think like anything else in life, if it's for you, if your mission or your purpose is is for you, if it's for you to make a lot of money, if it's for you to have any kind of power, if it's for you to get any kind of attention or notoriety, God is not going to bless that. He, he'll he'll let you have successes, but you're not going to experience His gifts, which are joy and peace and joy and peace will elude you and you'll never be satisfied and you'll step over people and hurt people to get what you want. Um, you'll lie and cheat to get what you want. And, um, you, you, you will end up very unhappy at some point. It could take 10 years. It could take 20 years, but you're, you're, not going to be happy with that journey. And for me, my focus and my vision, my passion, the 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 north star for me is that God planted the passion seed for music in an artist or a singer or a songwriter or a producer or whatever. God planted that passion seed in them. So when I encounter that person. I'm aware that this is actually from God. God has allowed me to be sitting in front of them. God has blessed me with a lot of knowledge, a lot of relationships, and a lot of know how. And it is my duty before God on this earth to serve that person, serve that, and that person to me is a son or a daughter of God. Serve that person, love that person well, care about that person, do everything I can to help that person. Because if that seed matures and blossoms and becomes fully sophisticated, what it will do is show people through somebody's voice or through somebody's songs a small taste or a small glimpse just touching the garments of how mind-blowing the music in heaven is. And that touch of heaven, that taste of heaven, that's in the best song or in the best singer, is the power that's actually in music. And that has that's what has the ability to make somebody who's listening to a song literally pull a gun out of their mouth and not kill themselves. Hmm. It's the power that makes the girl that was you know, raped by a family member who's been cutting herself for four to five years to, for the first time in her life, she falls in love with an artist or falls in love with a song or an album. And for the first time in four or five years, she puts the razor blade down and never cuts herself again. And, um, you know, the, 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 the teenager that's drowning in an ocean of dysfunction, you know, living in a rough home who has nobody to talk to. It's not cool to talk to your friends. It's not cool. If you're a guy to talk to another girl and about what you're going through and you're not going to go to your teachers or an adult. So, so many teenagers are just suffering and they're drowning in in a sea of depression or despair And and, a music artist or an unbelievable album Or an unbelievable singer could end up being a lifeline in the ocean where that teenager is drowning for them to hold on to and them not to end their life and um, or to make it through whatever they're going through. And it's just so huge. It's so massive and it's so powerful and it's such a large responsibility. And so um, to me, I feel like I'm on a move to do the best that I possibly can to try to be a part of music or try to help music along or try to make music that has that is so unbelievable where the songs are so unbelievable and the singer is so seasoned and unbelievable where the song has a a chance to save lives and um, and I've seen I've been on the other side of it where I've seen you know hit songs that i have been a part of save lives and seen in the the messages that come in and the letters that come in to the artist and the private Facebook messages that come in it's just you know and and I save a lot of those messages um, literally in my phone you know in my in my I take screenshots and I've got like all kinds of folders of screenshots of people where they said like the song changed their life or saved their life or hey our son didn't you know this song saved our son's life you know, from a parent or something like that. So, um, and, and I save those to remind me of like when I'm going, when, when, when a day's rough or, you know, I've got a lot on my plate, it's, I I save those to bring me back to the North star of why am I doing it? And I think if you, if you are doing it for other people, you'll always be satisfied regardless of the result.
0: Oh, it's so true. You know, even just listening to music as a teenager feeling Powerful, feeling empowered versus kind of Mm -hmm. feeling left out or not validated, like you've talked about. So I I totally get that. Yeah. You know, and you've kind of mentioned this already, but there's a quote in your bio that I really love. It says, I love helping people with a dream that God has planted in them. My career is about me pouring into others, loving others, caring and fighting for others. I mean, there simply aren't enough people like that in the world. It seems like everyone is trying to get their own thing going without consideration for the vision and dreams of others. And even if not for that, they're missing potential collaboration and cross promotion opportunities because of it. Mm -hmm. Talk about the importance of helping others.
1: I think there's, there's so many people in the music industry that are either around the outer skirts of the inner circle or are in the inner circle of the music industry that are extremely self-centered. Hmm. And, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're not aware of it, (laughs) um, and and don't mean to be, Mm. but it's very rare that I see somebody putting others first. And I've always found that those tend to be the people that have the most even keeled, careers and, and they may not always be the most successful person but they have a lot of success and the success tends to maintain and but i i do feel there are very very few people like that um in the music industry for sure but thank god you know i'm very thankful that i have found some of those people mm. um you know, and I, and I do work with some people that are, are, are real deal gifts gifts from heaven, like just total gems. So, and th- that was not easy to find. I mean, that, that that took probably well over a decade on its own. So,
0: hmm. On a related note, you're the president of Care for Kids, which helps poor children across the world in need of food, clothes, and comfort. Talk about the importance of giving back.
1: You know, to me, most of what I do, I think, you know, when you're... When you work with artists and, and, you know, a lot of times when you work with artists, you're working with people younger than you. Um, I'm always working with people younger than me now, but I I think, you know, almost everything is about giving back and pouring into people. Hmm. Um, and you know, when you're connected with God and you have the right purpose and mission, you know, you do get poured into back by people. Um, people do express thanks and, um, you probably don't hear it tons from people, but when you're on mission and, and, and you know why you're doing what you're doing, you know you don't need or feel the desire, you know, that people give give it back to you. Um, you have a lot to pour out. Um, the care for kids is, is uh, you know, we, we deal with um, organizations that work in third world countries that feed, you know, I mean, we're talking about, you know, these are families, um, that are literally making under $30 a month and, um, you know, borderline starving to death. And, um, if they get sick, they don't have the money to get any kind of medicine and will die. Hmm. Um, don't have access to clean water. Um, sometimes they have to walk, uh, two-and-a-half to three miles just to get water um, and then have to walk back. And sometimes the kids actually have to go in the parents' place every once in a while. And there's tons of kids in third-world countries that are kidnapped on those water journeys um, and sold into sex trafficking and sex slavery. Um, So um, I work with artists and speakers um, that uh, are willing to talk about, um, these kids from their platform, you know, whether it's at a concert or at a speaking event and, um, and, you know, encourage people to, you know, help sponsor, you know, a family or a child, um, in another country. And, um, so that's the basics of, of what that is.
0: Hmm. Now this is a little unusual, but I'd like to ask your advice on something. If you'd humor me, is that Okay. Sure. All right. So I've been having some conversations with with some of my collaborators about putting together an alternative Christian compilation, sending out to the seeker friendly community. And I'm going to be responsible for marketing it. So what tips would you have for me to make that a success?
1: Man, that's a that's a that's a big question. It is. Uh, <laughs> so are are you talking about like you know maybe a group like a Switchfoot where it's not overtly. Yeah. christian kind of thing
0: yeah exactly it's not like a jpm jesus Permitted kind of uh music so well
1: i think the most important thing with something like that is either you know two two, two fronts to be using social media and yeah. then also you know for those artists to be touring in some capacity selling that product um and you know artists at that like in that space you know there's a lot of artists playing you know that, that are like that that are playing college circuits uh colleges are huge huh. for that kind of music and there's a lot of artists out there that i personally know and i've led to deals that play i mean tons of shows a year and all they're doing for the most part is playing colleges and the colleges you know will pay out pretty well um and um you know just that seems to be a really good genre for people that are in their college years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I've seen a lot of artists have success with, you know, just getting into a college circuit and, um, playing shows, selling CDs. And then of course, just, you know, having, uh, you know, working in on, on all different social media platforms,
0: Those are some great tips. It's some things that maybe would not have occurred to me. So I'm going to be looking into the college market for sure. Awesome. And how do you become an owner and partner in multiple companies? What sort of commitment is required? I think you sort of hinted at that. And is it stressful?
1: Uh, It it can be overwhelming sometimes. You know, I definitely have days where I feel there's a lot on my plate. And because I'm shifting throughout my day between so many different ideas or thoughts, because each company does something totally different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one minute I'm, I'm, I'm in a text exchange or scheduling something or in a conversation with somebody about, you know, a booking company and booking a tour. Um, and then the next minute I'm talking to somebody about, um, an artist I manage, and it's a totally different question. It's a totally different topic, and and that's usually happening. I mean, sometimes during the day I'm juggling two different ideas at the same time, as far as scheduling things on my calendar, or um, and and I have quite a decent team around me that is there to help. Um, I couldn't do it unless I had great partners, and so you know, over 21 years, I I, I am very entrepreneurial, so I've always looked for people that blow me away in business or I think are special in business or have accomplished, you know, very, very big things in business where maybe I have something to bring to the table that they don't have and vice versa. And always, you know, suggested to those people over the years, like, let's partner up, let's form something. And, um, and, uh, so and, and I I always look for opportunities that I'm not going to be the one to carry all of the weight. Um, so any partnership I've formed or business I've started, it's always been where I can see before this thing is formed that I have the pieces in place to take this to a whole nother level. But I have the people that are already carrying the weight of what they're doing, and I have a vision for how I could come in and enhance what they're doing and just add to it. Um, but I know it's – you know going into that business, it's not going to require – you know, 40 hours of my week, it might require, you know, five hours of my week. Mm. Um, and so I look, I, I've always looked for opportunities like that. Um, and a lot and a lot of what I have formed is just out of a need for areas that I see artists not being served well in the industry, um, or areas that I felt like maybe I, I I could serve an artist better in this area. And then I found somebody that was an expert at it and, you know, we teamed up and formed something to, you know, with my intention of like, okay, this could be used to better serve who I actually work with, if, if
0: that makes sense. Hmm. That's great. That's awesome. I'm going to throw out a couple of my can questions because I think we can draw conclusions about your biggest struggles and biggest victories at this point. Sure. But are there any books that have inspired and helped you on your journey?
1: You know, I I... I wish I read more. I need to read more. Um, I love reading. I just don't have tons of time. Yeah, of course. Um, but I would say that a book that has stuck with me, that I've never been able to shake the idea of, and it's really nothing that was in the book. It's just really the title of the book and and the way the book hit me. But T.D. Jakes, the the huge pastor in, in Texas, he put out a book that's called, I think it's called, um, I'm pretty sure it's called Reposition Yourself. And it's all about, you know, if you want to get to another level and everybody around you is kind of looking at you as a leader, then you've maxed out your level because everyone's looking up to you. And so, you know, he explains like you need to sur- reposition yourself and surround yourself with people that you're actually looking up to, mm. that you think are smarter than you, better than you at things, um, and uh, and 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 I've and I've really applied that to my life, and I'm always searching for people that I think are more talented than me or smarter than me, and and um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so that's probably the book that hit me the hardest
0: yeah and that title is reposition yourself living life without limits by td jakes yes this has been a fantastic conversation thank you so much for your time and generosity is there anything else i should have asked
1: no not that i could think of and i really appreciate being on and um i think i thank you
0: for your time as well all right thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go to musicentrepreneurhq.com for show notes and other goodies. And leave us a review in iTunes to help us spread the word.